Well, I want to say good morning. Thanks for being here. I want to welcome all of you who are here on our Sugarloaf campus, those who are at our Mill Creek campus, and those of you who are watching online. We're glad to have you with us. If you have ever been or get to go to Washington, D.C., there is a, a, one of the most important buildings in the world. It's located uh, in a perfectly uh, circular, well-guarded park in northwest Washington, D.C. You wouldn't recognize it. It's kind of a nondescript concrete building. You wouldn't think there's anything really important about it. It's actually um, on the grounds of the U.S. Naval Observatory, and it holds the nerve center of the U.S. Directorate of Time. Now, the only thing that would give away that this must be a pretty important building is the windows are barred and the building is very well guarded. And uh, the reason for that is behind those windows sit 24 atomic clocks. Four of those clocks hold atoms of hydrogen. 24 of those clocks hold uh, uh, atoms of cesium. And every second there are laser beams and microwave beams fired at these clocks. And they cause the atoms inside of those clocks to oscillate at an incredibly regular vibration. The results of those vibrating atoms are measured by a computer, and every second they are fed into America's master clock. Those measurements, in turn, become the basis for all timekeeping in the United States, and they're sent to the International Bureau of Weights and Measures just outside Paris, and it keeps the whole world on time. It keeps the whole world running together on the time that they ought to be on. You say, well, why do we go to all of that trouble? Because there's one thing the entire world knows, and that is time matters. Time matters to everybody. Now, the interesting thing is it hasn't always been that way. As a matter of fact, if you can believe it, there was a time in our country when time didn't matter. As a matter of fact, before the locomotive and the invention of the railroad, Time really didn't matter to anybody. What happened was when the railroads were built, all of a sudden, trains had to run on time. And all of a sudden, time was moved to the top of people's priority list. Phrases began to be used that had never been heard before in almost 200 years in this nation. Phrases like, time's wasting, time's up, the train's leaving the station began to be heard all over the country. What we now call standard time came about because of the railroads. Now, this is kind of interesting. Before the railroads came along, everybody set their own time. So, for example, uh, if you went back 200 or 300 years, Snellville might say it was 4 o'clock, and Lawrenceville might say it was 4.30. Didn't matter. Everybody just kind of kept their own time. But then the railroads came along. And they began to publish schedules. And they began to say the train will arrive at such and such a time and it will leave at such and such a time. And so for, for the first time in 1883, the country was divided into what we now have as four time zones. So you've got Eastern and you've got, uh, I don't even remember what they are. What is it? Eastern and Central and Rocky Mountain and Pacific Coast time, right? So you've got all of these four different time zones and all of a sudden I mean almost overnight where time didn't mean anything to anybody time began to mean everything to everybody listen in 1790 this is interesting to me in 1790 over 90% of American homes had no clocks 
of the less than 10% that had a clock, it had no minute hand. It just had an hour hand. So when you looked at a clock in 1790, it was somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. You just weren't quite sure. Now, you talk about people getting late to church. Okay, I get that. Now I understand that, okay? But until the end of the 19th century, no one knew what an alarm clock was. No one knew what a wristwatch was, right? Now we're in the 21st century. So today, you've got computers. You've got satellites. You've got global positioning system receivers. You've got telephone switching, switching systems. And all of these depend on this precise, down-to-the-second measure just to operate. In our culture, time has never been a hotter commodity. We realize it's a limited resource. We know the good news is there are 24 hours in a day. The bad news is there are only 24 hours in a day, right? And we know that. And most of us struggle, if we're honest, we struggle to fit everything we want to do in a given day when you think about what we need to do in our work, what we need to do with our family, what we need to do in our, with our hobbies, what we need to do with our leisure. It's hard to fit all of these in our busy schedule. So, in matter of fact, one of the ways that we prove to other people they're important to us is we make time for them or, or, or we find time for them. Matter of fact, one of the most important statements about time today, you know what it is, time is money, right? We think time's not important. Time is money. So we try to be sensitive to other people. We say, look, I don't want to monopolize your time. I don't want to waste your time. Some of you out there, you're retired and you're struggling to fill up your time. You don't know what to do with your time. And sadly, a lot of people really don't understand how important time is until they're just about out of it. When a person goes to the doctor, and they sit down, and the doctor has this sad look on his face. And he says to them, look, I don't know how else to tell you this. You have a terminal illness. What is the first question that always comes to the person's mind? How much time do I have left? Isn't that interesting? We don't give a whole lot of thought to time, by and large, till we realize we're about to run out of it. Now, let me tell you something. Let me something you probably never thought about before. You ready for this? If you're if you're a husband, you can appreciate this. Time is like your wife. You don't tell time. Time tells you. You don't tell your time. Time tells you. Time tells you when something needs to be done. Time tells you where you need to be for a certain appointment. Time tells you when time is up. Now, that's why a man by the name of Paul wrote something about time that is so true and so very, very important. I want you to listen to these words. Listen to this. Paul said, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, Paul said there are only two ways you can use time, wisely or foolishly. He says, look, wise up in the use of your time. Don't be foolish in how you use time. That's why we're in a series we started last week that we're calling Otherwise. Now, what we're going to do, and I hope this will really be practical for a lot of us in this room, I thought a lot about it, and there are really three key areas in our life that have the greatest 
impact in our life where we need wise advice. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, if you look back in your life and think about either the greatest regrets that you have in your life or you look at the greatest successes you had in your life, they will always revolve around how you decide to, to do three things. Number one, how we allocate our time. Number two, how we manage our money. And number three, how we handle temptation. If you think about it, if you look back in your life, every time you blew it, it's either because you wasted your time, you wasted your money, or you failed to handle temptation. If you look back at it and you say, the finest moments I had in my life were these moments, it was because you used your time wisely, you managed your time wisely, and you handled temptation wisely. Now, in all three of those areas, you can choose to do it your way, you can choose to do it God's way. It's all up to you. But when you decide to live otherwise, that is, you decide, I'm going to live by godly wisdom. Now, here's the promise I'll make to you. You will live smarter. You'll make better decisions. You'll have far fewer regrets. And you'll have a lot more sweeter memories. And we're going to be dealing in the next three weeks with those key areas of our life. Today, we're going to talk about time. Now, the good news is God has not left us on our own to sort out how we're going to spend our time and how we're going to live our days out. He has given us specific advice in his word on the best way to spend every single day of your life. And there's a statement he makes in, in a book in the Bible I want to share with you that has an encyclopedia of wisdom on how to manage time wisely. The, every time I read this verse and study that, this verse, it just amazes me of how much truth God can pack into just one sentence in the Bible. And I want you, if you brought a copy of God's Word or you brought a, a tablet or an iPad or a smartphone or whatever, I want you to turn to the largest book in the Bible. It's the book of Psalms, right in the middle of your book. And I want you to turn to Psalm 118. Now, if you don't have anything to look at, then that's all right. We'll throw it up on the screen but I want you to listen to this simple statement that the psalmist wrote about how to spend your time. Here's what he says. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Easy verse to remember. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In fact, let's just say that together right now. Ready? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, I have praise verses that I use every day. I've got them written out, and I begin my day by praising the Lord. Every Monday, that's one of my praise verses. Every Monday, when I start my week, I'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Now, this is amazing. In that one simple statement, I'm going to share with you the greatest principle you'll ever learn on how to get the most out of your time. It comes right out of this verse. You ready? Listen to this. The most important use of your time is spending most of your time on what is most important. Now, I know that sounds simple, right? But the, the truth of the matter is most of us on a usual average day don't do that. That's why we live frustrated lives. That's why we come to the end of the day and we go, I meant to get that done, but I didn't. Oh, I've gone three days and I've not read my Bible. Man, I can't believe I've hardly spent any time with my kids. Why do we wind up doing or not doing what we ought to do? Because we fail to remember that the most important use of your time is spending most of your time on what is most important. Now, if you want to live every day 
otherwise. If you want to live every day wisely, the psalmist tells us right here, every day take three simple steps. You ready? Number one, approach every day thankfully. Approach every day thankfully. Now listen to what the psalmist begins by saying. He says, this is the day the Lord has made. Now let me stop right here. That's true of every single day of your life. Every day that comes, every day you wake up, that is a day the Lord has made. Whether it's a sunny day or a rainy day, whether it's a hot day or a cold day, whether it's a good day or a bad day, it is a day the Lord has made. Now, here's something interesting. <clears throat> the word there for made in the Hebrew language is the same word that's used in Genesis 1 and 2 to talk about the creation of the world. You could literally say, this is a day that the Lord has created. When God created space, God created time. And just as God created us, uh, created for us a world to live in, God also created the time for us to live in that world on a daily basis. So in other words, what the psalmist is telling us is, every day I live is a God-given day. Every day I live is a God-created day. It is a gift of God, and we ought to be thankful for that gift. Now, here's the good news. God doesn't play favorites. God gives the same type of day to everybody. Every day has 24 hours for everybody. Rich people don't get 25 hours. Poor people don't get 23 hours. We all get the same amount of time. Uh, last month, um, I happened to run up, happened to meet a, a friend of mine. In fact, he's really more like a brother. He's kind of like an adopted brother to me. We're very, 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 very close. And he's become a very, very successful businessman. Well, I noticed he had on a very unique watch. And so uh, I, I asked him about that watch. And, and he said, well, uh, he didn't really want to tell me. He said, um, it, it is a very unique watch. And I looked at it and I said, boy, that's, I've never heard that name before. And I said, where do you get a watch like that? He said, well, there's only 12 of those made in the world every year. So wow, I said, how much does that watch cost? And he wouldn't tell me specifically, but it was six figures. That watch was a six-figure watch. And then I thought about the time when I met with Dr. Billy Graham in his home about three years ago. And I'm sitting there, and Dr. Graham had on a Timex watch that probably didn't cost $10. And I thought to myself, you don't have any more time than Billy Graham does. He got the same amount of time you've got. You, it takes you $100,000 to tell what time it is. It takes him 10. But he's got exactly the same amount of time. As a matter of fact, have you ever said something like this to somebody? I, I've had people say this. I wish I had as much time as you did. I got news for you. If you did, you wouldn't have any more than you've got right now. Right? We've all got the same amount of time. Everybody does. As a matter of fact, have you ever had somebody ask you, you know, every, listen, if you've got a watch right now, let me just say this. If you've got a watch, that watch ought to remind you of what a precious gift time is. Every day is a gift wrapped up in the platinum of God's love. Every second is a diamond. Every minute is an emerald. Every hour is a ruby. And we ought to be thankful for every day we get to call today. We ought to approach it Thankfully, have you, have you ever, by the way, you know, have you ever somebody ever had somebody ask you this question? They'll say, hey, by the way, what is today? Well, what are they asking you? They're either asking you what day it is or they're asking you what date 
It is. Let me tell you, you know, there are times people ask you, you know, what day it is. And if you're like me, sometimes you don't even know. You know, you thought, I'm not even sure myself. You know, is it, is it Tuesday, Wednesday? Is it the 7th or is it the 8th? Hey, let me tell you one answer you can always give. This will help you. If you feel like you're going to look like you're stupid because you don't know what day it is, when somebody says, what day is it? Get real spiritual and say, this is the day the Lord has made. Because that's always right, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Somebody put it this way. They said, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, today is all we've got, and it is a gift from God. That's why we call today the present. You ever thought about that? Yesterday's the what? The past. Tomorrow is what? The future. Today is the present. Every single morning you wake up is a present that God has put under the tree of your life. And every day, we ought to be thankful for that day. Moses prayed this prayer. He said this in Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. When you're living otherwise, when you've got a heart full of wisdom, you will number your days. And you know why you better number your days? Because your days are numbered. You better number your days. Because your days are numbered, and therefore, you ought to be thankful for every day you get. So let me just give a little practical little tip. Don't you ever get up on a Sunday morning. It's rainy. It's cold. It's dark outside. Don't you ever get up and say, I've got to go to church. You get to go to church because every day is a God-given day. Approach every day thankfully, all right? Number two, spend every day usefully. Approach every day thankfully. Spend every day usefully. Now, look at the first half of this verse again. There are two verbs in that verse. I'm going to emphasize them, all right? Watch this. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Now, the psalmist obviously is not talking about yesterday. That verse does not say this was the day the Lord did make. He's not talking about tomorrow. He did not say this will be the day the Lord will make. He's talking about today, and here's why. The only day you can really enjoy is today. You can't enjoy yesterday. It's a memory. You can't enjoy tomorrow. It's just a possibility. You can only enjoy today. That's why we've got to be very careful how we spend every day. But the, because the time that you have today can only be used today. Let me give you an example. We talk about saving time or making time or borrowing time. Well, the truth of the matter is you can't do any of those things with time. It's impossible. When it comes to time, you can't borrow from Peter to pay Paul. The time that you waste today is gone forever. Forever. The time that you don't use wisely today cannot be carried over until tomorrow. If you're like me and you like sports, you know what this means. Somebody tell me, what does that mean? That means time out. Now, in a ball game, you can call time out. In life, you can't call time out. When I hit 50 years of age, I wanted to call time out. 
I want to say, Lord, I really don't want any more birthdays. I really don't. I've, I've had enough. But you can't call time out in life. It's absolutely impossible. The clock's always running, and it never stops. So you can't save time. Time only knows one direction. That's forward. You can't store time. You can put money in the bank. You can't put time in the bank. You can't stretch time. You can't put 61 minutes in an hour. You can't put 25 hours in a day. And that's where managing time gets very, very tricky. Because let me go back. When railroads were built, and we left the agricultural age, and we entered into the industrial age, that's when we began to realize for the first time, hey, time really is money. So when we began to build manufacturing plants, we began to build factories, we began to come up with this term called efficiency. We said workers have got to be more efficient. They've got to be more productive. They've got to make every second count. That's the order of the day. Even today, there are now more and more businesses that are open 24 hours a day. And look, what do we do? Well, there's a new term we've come up with. We multitask, right? I mean, can I just be honest with you? Very, very, very few people rarely drive a car anymore, and that's all they do. We drive and text. We drive and make phone calls. <laughs> we drive and put on our makeup, right? I mean, we drive and, you know, listen, when I was a kid, I just went out and played with other kids. Today, we schedule play dates. What is a play date? You just go out and play. Not today. Time is too valuable. Now, here's the good news. The good news is I realize all of us out there have a desire to really manage our time well, right? I mean, nobody wants just to you know, frivolously waste their time away. Everybody has this desire to make the best use of our time. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. Most of us don't do it. Let's just be honest. Most of us are not efficient always in how we use our time. We're really not. Now, the good news is God wants us to be. Because remember that verse we just read from the Apostle Paul? Let me throw it back up there. Making the best use of the time. God wants us to make the best use of our time. As a matter of fact, but that phrase is an accounting term in the literal Greek language. It's an accounting term. It means to get the most out of your money. God wants you to get the biggest bang for the buck in every minute that you live. He wants you to get the most value out of your life. He wants you to squeeze all the good that you can out of every moment of your life. You say, yeah, that's what I want to do. But you know what? Most of you out there, I'm just being honest, you don't know how. You want to, but you just really don't know how. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the single greatest key I have ever learned in my life on how to manage time. Now, here's what I want you to understand. All of you manage your time. You either do it wisely or foolishly. You either waste it or you utilize it. Y'all manage time. Or put it better, you either manage your time or you mismanage your time. I want to give you the greatest key I've ever learned. And you know where I got this? I got it from the life of Jesus. Nobody knew how. Think about this. Think about what Jesus accomplished in his life and how many years did it take him to do it? Three. Who could have ever dreamed that anybody could have accomplished what that man accomplished in just 
three years of his life. I'll tell you one thing Jesus didn't do. He didn't waste his time. He didn't throw away his time. He knew how to manage his time. And the principle that comes out of his life is very simple. The way he lived his own life and the way he spent his own time is found in three words. Here they are. Important versus urgent. I want you to watch this. This is really kind of cool. The person who summed this up best, believe it or not, and, and, and by the way, I want to give him the credit for what I'm going to tell you. It's not, this is not original. Actually came from President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Dwight D. Eisenhower is, 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 is the person who, who put, came up with this system I'm going to tell you. And here's what he said. He summed it up best. He said this. He said, what is important is seldom urgent. And what is urgent is seldom important. Now, watch this. If you look at the life of Jesus, you go through and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you'll find this. Jesus never, ever cowtowned to anything that was just simply urgent. Never did that. Never, ever did that. Let me give you a good example. You may not know this story, but one of the best friends Jesus ever had was a man by the name of Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, there's the story of how Lazarus got this illness and he got sick. As a matter of fact, he was going to die. Now, the truth of the matter is Jesus knew he was going to die. And so they sent word to Jesus. Jesus was not there. He was out of town. So they sent word to Jesus. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Get back quick. If you don't get back, he's going to die. Now, here, the amazing thing is when you read that story, Jesus purposely did not go. He purposely let Lazarus die. Now, watch this. Was it urgent that Jesus get back there? Absolutely. It was urgent. But for reasons we can't get into, it was more important that he didn't. He never, ever let what was urgent trump what was important. You say, what's the difference? Here's the difference. Urgent tasks demand your attention right now. That's urgent. Now, you say, well, give me some examples. A daily deadline. That's urgent. Um... Returning an email from your boss, that might be urgent. Uh, a phone call, you need to return a phone call, that's urgent. Now, let me just be, and I hope I don't make some of you mad, I don't mean to. Do you realize how many times a pastor gets something like, a message like this, somebody, I need to talk to the pastor right now. I need him to call me right now. Doesn't matter what else he's doing, I need to talk to him right now. You know what I've learned? I've learned two things, and this is true 98% of the time. Either A, they don't need to talk to me right now, or somebody else could handle their problem. And see, a lot of us, when we hear that, well, okay, I guess i got to drop everything I'm doing, and I've got to do that right now. That's what the urgent does. Here's what the important does. Important tasks contribute to your long-term goals. All right? These are some things that would be important. Um, staying healthy and fit, that's important. Getting your finances in order, getting financially secure, that's important. Spending time with your family, that's important. Developing your spiritual life and your walk with God, okay, that's important. Now, this is where it really gets a little bit tricky, but just stay with me. Eisenhower said, you can divide everything that you do every day into four categories. You might want to write these down. They're real easy, 
Let me just show you this. Because by, by the way, what I'm about to show you, you live what I'm going to show you. I'm just going to show you how you've been living. You just didn't know it. All right? First category is important and urgent. That's category one. Important and urgent. All right? Here's an example. Taking care of a crying baby. That's important. And that's urgent. Handling a crisis at work. That's important. And that's urgent. Making sure that you send your mortgage payment in on time. That's important. That's urgent, all right? That's category one. Now, the next category I'm about to put up there, this is where a lot of us totally drop the ball. Watch this. Important, but not urgent. Now, here are things that are important, but they're just not urgent. Saving money for the future. It's important, it's not urgent. Getting enough exercise, going to the gym, working out, it's important, not urgent. Getting enough sleep, that's only important and urgent if you're sitting in church, all right? Otherwise, it's important, not urgent. Spending time with your family, spending time with your spouse, spending time with your kids, it's important, not urgent. Then there are things that are not important but they're urgent. Booking a flight, important, not important, but it's urgent. Answering a phone call, probably not important, but it's urgent. Returning somebody's email, probably not important, but it's urgent, all right? Then, this is a big one. There are things that are not important and they're not urgent. Here's an example. Watching The Walking Dead. Not important, not urgent. Here's another one. Checking your Twitter account. It's not important, not urgent. Eating chocolate chip cookies. It's not important, it's not urgent. Playing video games. It's not important, it's not urgent. Now watch this. This is the principle I want you to watch. Listen to this. If the important doesn't get on your calendar first, the urgent will dominate your time. It is important that you don't let the urgent control you. It is urgent that you do let the important control you. Now, watch how this works. Of those four categories, two of those ought to make your to-do list every single day of your life, and they each one of those have the key word. What's the key word? important. The two things that ought to make your life every single, ought to make your to-do list every day. The first thing ought to make your to-do list important and urgent. The second thing that ought to make your to-do list is important but not urgent. So for example, whatever is truly important always gets top billing and top priority in my life. I've told you this before. For example, there are three things I'm going to get done every day of my life, if I possibly can. There are three things I'm going to, if I don't do anything else, I'm going to do these three things. Number one, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to journal. I did it this morning. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to journal. Number two, 
I'm going to exercise. Now, usually I do that early in the morning. I don't, you know, when I go to church, I get early. But I'll exercise when I get home this afternoon. All right, that's priority two. Priority three, I'm going to keep Teresa happy. All right, that's third priority in my life. I'm going to make sure that my wife is happy. Because if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. If mom ain't happy, the Holy Spirit's not happy, all right? So I'm going to keep mama happy, all right? Now, what I want to encourage you, if you're sitting out there and you know I'm not really getting, I'm not really efficient in the use of my time. I know I'm not utilizing my time the way that I should. It's real easy. Every day is like a jar. And what you need to do is put the big rocks in the jar first. So whatever is important and urgent goes in the jar. Whatever is important but it's not urgent, it goes in the jar. Now, once you do that, you will find there will still be time for those things that are not important or urgent, such as playing golf or watching TV or going to a movie. You'll have time to do that when the time is right. My buddy, my late buddy Zig Ziglar put it this way. He said, if you do what you ought to do when you ought to do it, stop right there, that's important. Anything that's important, that's this. If you will do what you ought to do when you ought to do it, then you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. This is the day the Lord has made. Approach it thankfully. Spend it usefully. Now, here's the last thing. We'll be done. He said, live every day joyfully. Now, listen to what he says. He says, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, let me just stop right there. There are no conditions to what he just said. He said, you don't just rejoice in the good days and reject the bad days. Because let's face it, we all have bad days, right? Matter of fact, let me, I'll guarantee you this. I promise you. Everybody has at least one bad day a month. If you're a pastor, you get four. But I'm telling you, everybody gets at least one bad day a month. But the psalmist is plain. He says, look, every day that God gives us, we should enjoy and enjoy the time you have in that day. Because every day, there's a rose you can smell somewhere. Every day. So what he's saying is, don't let the bad things that happen in a given day Take the joy away from all the good things that happen to us every day. Because listen, let me just be honest with you now. We're all in the same boat. Everybody here is in the same boat. I'm no different you, no different from me. Every day, you know, we, we, we're going to encounter things we can't change. You're going to get up and you're going to have all these important things and, that are not urgent that you have to do, that you really want to do. They're important, but they're not urgent. But there will be times that something that's urgent and important comes along and it will crowd that out. Or something that's urgent but not important is so urgent, it just has to be done. We're all going to encounter that. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, I've given you from some very solid principles right out of God's word on how to manage your time. I get that. At the same time, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, right? So sometimes the important, that's not urgent, gets interrupted by the important that is urgent. So our to-do list will get interrupted. There's hardly a day goes by that I got this to-do list that I want to get done and something does not interrupt it. Things won't always go the way we want them to go. We won't always hear what we were hoping to hear. We won't always experience what we want to experience. We just can't control those things. However, doesn't matter what happens today, here's what I want you to hear. The psalmist said, from the moment you and I get out of bed every day, we have a choice. 
as to whether or not we're going to enjoy the day that we have. So I want to just share this with you. You may say, well, I just believe there are certain days you just can't enjoy. I mean, there's just nothing to enjoy about certain days. Well, let me challenge that. No matter what's going on in your life on a given day, we can always rejoice that God loves us. We can always rejoice that God is in control of everything happening to us. We can always rejoice that God has a plan for our life. We can always rejoice that our sins have been forgiven. We can always rejoice that we have eternal life if we know Jesus. We can always rejoice that we have another day where we can thank God and praise God and love God and serve God and worship God and obey God. There's always a reason we can rejoice, no matter what's going on. I have visited people in hospital beds that knew they were dying, but you'd never know it when you walked into their room. Because somehow they understood, you know, even in my physical condition, as bad as I am, as bad as things are in my body, there's a joy of the Lord in my heart. There's a joy of the Lord in my soul. This is a day the Lord has made. I will. That's a choice. I will, not I can, not I should. I will rejoice and be glad in it. One of the greatest college football coaches of all time was a man by the name of Paul Bear Bryant, University of Alabama. When he died... The family found a crumpled, yellowed piece of paper in his wallet. Didn't know it was there. Nobody knew it was there. His own wife didn't know it was there. It was very obvious that he carried that with him for years and had folded it and unfolded it and read it and reread it many times. He never shared this with anyone. Did not know he had it until the day that he died. This is what it said. And I want you to listen to it. It's so good. I want, you to, I want to read it to you. This is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving something in its place that I have traded for it. I want it to be a gain, not a loss. Good, not evil. Success, not failure in order that I shall not forget the price that I paid for it. Boy, what a great thing to read every single day. What a great thing to remember. So I want to just wrap it up by, by telling you this. I want to live otherwise. I, I don't want to live the way the typical person lives their life. I don't. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I just don't. I really want to live Otherwise, and so I, I want you just to think about this. We've been talking about time, so I just want you to think about this. In the grand scheme of things, time is very, very short. Eternity is very, very long. And what you do with your time in this life will determine the eternity you spend in the next life. So I just want to say this without apology, and I hope this doesn't offend you. I don't mean to offend you, but I believe any day in this life and every day in this life that you spend 
without Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life is wasted time. Every day you live where Jesus Christ is not supreme in your life is a wasted day. So if you would like to make the most, not only of today and whatever life you've got left to live, but to make sure you make the most of when time is no more and when you've entered into eternity, you want to make sure that you're ready to meet the God who created time, then the most important use of your time will be to surrender your life to Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because he is the one who took the time to leave heaven, come to this earth, die for our sins, come back from the grave so that we could spend our time with him on earth and spend eternity with him tomorrow. Let's pray together.